Okay, welcome back to another episode of Spooky Movie Squad, the horror movie podcast that reviews the best and worst and everything between and horror, one movie at a time. I'm your host, Otis, and tonight, like always, I am joined by the Spooky Movie Squad, and that squad consists of Katie. Hi. Emma. Oh, hey. And Mike. My God, I still haven't found my way out of here yet. <laughs> so sit back and relax and enjoy our review of the 2019 Canadian supernatural horror drama film written by one Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill, in the tall grass. Some places have a mind of its own. Yeah. Some, tracks. some places have a mind? Yeah. Its own? I like it. <laughs> Stephen King didn't write that tagline. <laughs> Hit that music. Happy Spookies, everyone. This is episode 294 of this illustrious podcast, and it is chapter two of our month of Stephen King horror movies. So one of these years when we do Stephen King horror, we'll just do old ones. But it seems like this month may just be newer-ish things. <laughs> um, I'm halfway through the book of one of our choices. Hopefully we do it. I'm, I'm halfway through the fucking book, so I hope we do it. But it feels like we're doing newer things. So we are doing uh, In the Tall Grass. So for the uninitiated, this is from a 2012 novella by Stephen King and Joe Hill. So the name Joe Hill might sound familiar to some people. He is a, a word award-winning novelist in his own right. He actually didn't take his real last name of King because he didn't want people to be like, oh, Stephen King's son. Oh, he'll be great. Yeah, here's all the money. Go do whatever you want. No, he went out and made awesome things like Lock and Key. Yeah, you know that show on Netflix? That's really oh, awesome. Shit. In the comic books? Yeah, that's Joe Hill. Uh, Nosferatu, the one with Zachary Quinto, when he's like a weird vampire that that like sucks, like not blood, but the life force from children. And it's really weird. That was a show that went for a couple of seasons. I think it's over now. And Lock and Key, I think, just got canceled, too. Eh, he made a lot of money off of it. It's got comic books out of the wazoo. And Horns. So Ooh, that's a good ass two movie. Halloween Screamathons ago, it's the movie with our boy, old, older Harry Potter, when he's trying to find his girlfriend's murderer in a town where everyone hates him. Yeah. It was really it's horny Harry Potter. Yeah, it was really fucking good. And on the nose of a Stephen King-ish story, it is depressing. And bad guys win a lot. <laughs> That's uh, par for the course of a Stephen King-ish story. So I read, listened to this novella and we watched the movie so i will be going over the differences between the book version and the movie version spoilers it's a lot <laughs> uh the second we sat down five minutes in i was like oh that's not in the book and it just continued from there uh, uh another spoiler i'll tell you the movie is a lot more happy than the book i'll tell you that like if you want something that like hey that was a thumbs up at the end maybe 
don't read the fucking book. It's it, it's sad. <laughs> so, oh, I forgot to even explain what the hell this this story is about. So, just real quick, in the tall grass is a story about multiple random people heading into a gigantic just field of grass and a grass having a mind of its own and its own evil machinations and just wants to, to kill them. The book, that's the book one. The movie one is all of that. Plus, it gets kind of sci-fi-ish when you get in there. So, Katie, what did you think about In the Tall Grass? I liked it. It was more, like, it was scary, but it was more confusing. This was definitely, like, similar to um, 1408. Like, in that you don't really know what's going on, and you're trying to figure out, like, you're, you're trying to understand what the fuck is going on and there's like twists and turns because it's a maze ish and you don't really know who is doing what and what the timeline is and what is happening but it was good uh i could tell you if i was in this movie it would have started and ended very very quickly because i ain't going in no fucking grass so (laughs) uh micah I liked this movie. I do kind of wish that they had just stuck with the confusing part instead of trying to add too many other elements to it to make it a full-length feature film. Um, Because then it just added stuff that kind of needed a little bit more explanation when they could have just left it as something super hardcore confusing. Uh, This movie definitely reminded me of Boogeyman, the early 2000s Boogeyman that I loved so dearly. (laughs) Even though it's not that great of a movie, I still love it dearly. Um, So I, yeah, I I really liked this movie. It was very Stephen King, very Twilight Zone-y, which was a really cool thing. Um, Just wish they had kept it simple instead of adding some other stuff that, I mean, we can talk about when we get through the plot. But yeah, no, I like this one. Emma? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) low hanging fruit in that tall grass anyway (laughs) oh fuck bud anyway uh yeah no it was good uh i can agree with katie though if i'm driving down the road and i see a corn field or a field of grass that is taller than corn bitch you bet the fuck i won't also i'm not going in corn either so yeah, no. And if you got to puke, we would have something for you to puke in. We're not oh, stopping at, at the creepy church across from the Jeepers Creepers field. Like, no, I'll just <laughs> puke out the out the window as we drive. It's fine. Correct. You will be catching my ass, hanging my head out that window, and just being like, blah, 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 all yeah. across the car window, and then being like, drive, bitch. No, there there would be no stopping. Secondly, there would also be no stopping at all ever in that situation i know i said it once but now i said it twice so Mm. i meant it but that was good shit i liked it the uh it really kept me going the whole time i was like "Mm -mm." but it was very stephen kingy and i really liked that so otis i enjoyed both aspects of the story i think i enjoyed the novella version a little bit more uh, I listened to the audiobook and it was read by Stephen Lang. So he was in Tombstone when he was super duper young 
and he was the villain in Don't Breathe. We did that two Halloween screamathons ago. Yeah, he's that blind dude that's got the good hearing. He's killing people in his house. I didn't think he'd have a good reading voice. Boy, howdy. It was fucking amazing. It was three hours that I absolutely enjoyed. This movie, it was so different from the book. I couldn't even like say they were the same thing. And people, the spoilers, people enjoyed what they did with the movie. But there were some tone discrepancies for this movie. Uh, there are moments where I'm like, ah, this is getting kind of weird. But, you know, I've read weirder things from Stephen King. But like I said, it has that feel of a Stephen King short story. Hey, you want to just pop into somewhere in the world and then just something scary happens and then that's it? Yeah, that's a Stephen King short story for you. One of my absolute favorites, and I hope they make it into a, a short movie or something. It's called Rest Stop where a station wagon just stops, puts its hazards on. I'm saying it's because the car is alive. And anybody that gets close looking to help someone uh, gets eaten by the car. It just moves toward them and just envelops them. And so there's a long line of cars because people keep getting out. They're like, what's wrong? And the car eats people. And a little boy has to save the day because his family gets eaten by a car. And they don't explain where the car came from. Is it an alien? Is it a monster? No fucking clue. And then the story just ends. And I was like, that was cool. Fuck you, Stephen King, for not explaining anything. This is another story where him and his son, they're like, wouldn't it be weird if he went in the grass and it just started fucking you up? I'm like, ooh, I like that. And they just made a story. But I I enjoyed both versions of this. So uh, like I said, I'm going to maybe I'll just explain the movie one and then just go back and explain the, the book one. Uh, hell, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but. We'll get through this story. It is on Netflix, and it is an hour and 40 minutes. So, like I said, the read, the red version by Stephen Lang was like three hours. So, boy, howdy, it felt, it felt a lot longer. <laughs> so, this is In the Tall Grass. So, in the film, we meet up with Becky and Cal, and they're traveling to San Diego. We actually learned about the San Diego part a little bit later in the movie, uh, man, fuck it, I'll just mix it all together. In the book, you you find out from the beginning, Becky is six months pregnant, and they are heading to, well, in the book, they're heading to family in San Diego so she can stay there and have the child and decide what she's going to do. In this version, she's just heading to San Diego, and we'll see what happens. As she gets car sick, they roll down the windows, and they are right next to a field of tall grass and they hear a little boy's voice calling from help from the field of grass and it is a character in this movie but i assumed from the story and just how this world works i assumed it was just the grass kind of making the voice but i think it was actually the real voice so they hear a child yelling for help and then they hear another voice the mom natalie telling the kid to be quiet because he will hear them. And they're like, that's weird. Becky's like, I think that kid's in trouble. And I don't like the how that older person's talking to that kid. <laughs> so uh, Super Cal, as he calls himself, uh, is here to save the day. And they both head into the field. Now, they're together for a little bit. But then all it takes is one quick little turn in the grass. And they are instantly separated. And... Just like in the book, 
it seems like every five seconds they change where they are in the field and Cal and Becky, they are just talking and Cal tells Becky to don't move and I'll find you. And her voice keeps changing directions on him. Uh, In the book, it says like, oh, okay, Katie's on my left. So I start walking that way and then I shift just a little bit and now she's on my right. And he's like, I don't understand how this works in here. Uh, And they're lost for a while. And Becky, she actually encounters uh, Tobin. That's the kid that called them into the field at first. They encounter Tobin's father, Ross. And Ross looks pretty nice. He's a little sweaty. He seems pretty nice. And he's like, hey, hey, we'll get through this. Just stay with me. Let's stick together. And we'll get through this. And we'll find everybody and get the hell out of this field. Uh, she ends up losing him and good for her. So Cal, he finds Tobin and in the movie version, he's just holding a dead crow in the book version. He is eating a dead crow. And he actually explains to Cal that dead things in this field stay where they are. And, and Cal's like, why are you eating that dead crow? Little boy, little weird boy. He's like, well, it's, I'm thirsty <laughs> and I'm hungry. What? What do you think I'm supposed to do? And he's like, oh, that's really fucking weird, bud. So Cal and Tobin, they are trying their best to get through this. And Tobin tells Cal that Becky's going to die soon because The Rock told him that she was going to die. And he's like, what do you mean about a rock, bud? And they head to the center of the field, the absolute center. Uh, Some people say it's the center of I don't know, the United States. That's what makes it evil. That's that's a theory, I guess. But it's a gigantic rock. And there is pictures and writing on this rock. And it changes, it seems, in the book, in the movie version. And Tobin touches the rock. This isn't his first time touching it. And he just feels a little better after he touches it. And Cal, he's like, I kind of want to touch this. Something... Feels weird in my brain, but he's interrupted because Becky starts screaming. And so he scuttles off to save his sister back into the field. We get a absolute change from the book. Uh, we get an extra character. In the book version, it's only Becky, Cal, Tobin, and the dad. We see the mom in pieces, but that is it in the book version. So in the movie, version we meet up with becky's baby daddy travis and he is looking for becky and cal he makes it to the field as he sees their very dirty and old looking car and he once again stumbles into the field just like everyone else uh he goes in just willingly there's not even like a voice calling to him and he meets up with tobin and tobin's like hey Travis and he's like how do you know my name dirty kid he's like you don't you don't remember me it's like how do you not remember me and he's like I don't know you little kid (laughs) he's like this is weird (laughs) and Travis gets led to Becky's corpse so it looks like Ross got to her wow I thought she was gonna be the main character Otis yeah me too let's see what happens later (laughs) so we go back before all of that and we see that tobin he arrived at that field they were at the nearby church across the street with his parents and 
Freddy the dog hears Travis calling out because he hears past Tobin and the family making sounds on the outside. And Tobin, past Tobin, runs into the field to catch his dog that was dead on the out on the inside of the field, as we saw earlier. Like I said, it, it, it's a time loop now. This is Groundhog Day, but a but a field. <laughs> so we see that Travis caused Tobin. Well, not necessarily caused because the dog just ran in. So I guess the dog is the cause of all of this. But Travis is now calling out to Tobin as he's in the field. And the dad is like, hey, I don't know who this dude is. He might be a dirty old bum. Don't go toward him, Tobin. And then the mom goes in. And just like every other person in this movie, they split up in the field. So now everybody is separated. And we see that Ross finds the rock and he touches it. Oh, no. (laughs) So instantly from the beginning, you could see Ross, the dad. He just seems like he's not that good of a person. He gets in the field and he's, I mean, justifiably upset because like his whole family just ran into a field. Uh, But he just starts not saying good things about his family and that's when he finds the rock so maybe the rock was like "Ooh, you're kind of an asshole yeah touch me <laughs> let's be assholes together <laughs> so becky and cal they re-enter the grass and tobin like i said it's it's a time loop so we see people multiple times come into this we've seen becky die but she is back And Cal, he probably died. And so now they are back at the beginning. So it's like a video game, kind of. So as they head in, Travis finds Tobin because the dog is dead. And Travis tells Tobin that dead things don't move in the field. So they switch education sides. (laughs) Because the other one told that one. It's, I'm sorry if this sounds confusing. It is confusing. <laughs> when I'm, I'm trying my best. The story <laughs> itself, the movie itself is confusing. And it's meant to be so. Yeah. So using the corpse of the dead dog as a landmark, everyone finds the boy, Tobin. And now they all have a mission to get out of here together. They lift the boy up over the grass on Travis's shoulders and he can see the church. So now they have a landmark to head towards while they are going that direction. We learn a little bit about Becky and her child. And she was heading to San Diego to a family that was interested in adopting her baby because she didn't feel like she was ready to be a single parent in the book. That's what Becky, that's the only thing she says about the dad. She says that he was a dummy and he is not in the picture. That's all we learn in the book about Travis. So Travis, he is very regretful because he wants to be part of his child and Becky's life now. Uh, Hopefully they can get out of this field and make that happen. So as they are heading toward the building in the distance, Becky gets a phone call from someone telling her to not let Cal get to Travis don't let Cal hurt Travis because you'll just keep making the same mistake over and over and then the phone hangs up (laughs) at this point we get a lot of weird imagery 
uh, flies going to people's ears and noses and grass goes up people's hoo-hahs, I guess. And then there's blood dripping. Yeah, that was fucking wild. I don't know what part of that, any part of that needed to be included in the movie, but it certainly was. Yeah, that that grass grasping at that uh, fetus was, that was a lot. I guess it was just a metaphor. It might have really happened. I don't know. Don't you mean a meadow for? I I feel like Stephen King has done so many stories that involve sexual assault that when people make movies of his works, even if there isn't a sexual assault in the actual work, people are like, you know what? This is missing a little a little sexual assault. Let's sprinkle that in there. I'm gonna have to agree with that because uh, there was some later in the movie too. Boy, howdy. Um, that didn't need to be there. There was no need no. for that. It didn't, it could have, he could have just been murderous. He didn't have to also be rapey, but he was. And it was like, fucking why? <laughs> why? Agreed. Well, there were a couple of characters that turned out to be rapey and, and, and murderous. Yeah. yeah. But again, why? This story was perfect without it. Like it would have done perfectly fine without that. Like, let's put in a little sexual assault in it. Sprinkle it on. <laughs> Like, add a little hills have eyes in here. We didn't need that. We didn't. It was assault bay. (laughs) (laughs) So as the grass is making Becky just go unconscious, hey, it's Ross. He's here to save the day. He looks good. Hopefully he's still good. Is this before or after he touched the rock? We don't know. Uh, This Ross says, hey, I found the way out. But I left my family in here, so I came back for them. And they're like, wow, that's cool. Uh, how do you get out? I'm not going to tell you out loud. That's silly. Just follow me. <laughs> and he leads them, obviously, back to the fucking rock. Because he's crazy. <laughs> and instantly, he is attacking people. Natalie, the mom of Tobin and the wife of Ross, is like, get away from him. He's Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And everybody's like, uh-oh. And Ross is super duper strong. He breaks Travis's arm or dislocates his like shoulder. And then he grabs his wife's head and proceeds to make it flat. And he legit just smushes it in his hands. I was like, damn, that grass oh. made you strong as fuck. How he so straight strong? up. He straight up looked at his child and said, Don't worry, it's just skin. It's just flesh. I was and like, flesh Bleh. is just grass. Everything is grass. Absolutely not. And, yeah. And then mushed it. <laughs> and Ross says, like, hey, man, the rock showed me the truth and the way out. Well, fuck it. I want to stay. <laughs> so now, like I said, it, it ain't a Stephen King party unless you have some religious little sprinklings in there. And once again, another story with a smart kid in danger. And an adult that's an asshole. Once again, that is tried and true Stephen King fair. <laughs> so the crew, they run away because Ross is just like yoked as fuck off, off of his like grass diet. And they reach the building that they were looking at in the distance. And while checking out the rooftop, uh, Travis and Cal, they've had these issues with each other for like the 20 minutes they've been together. But Cal doesn't want Travis in the picture because he thinks Travis is a bad guy. But there seems to be some overtones that 
he's jealous that ding 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 he's jealous that travis wants to be back in his sister's life because he wants to be in his sister's life it was an odd choice to add this possible little turn into it it was weird and i thought it was just me but then someone states the obvious and i was like oh okay it's supposed to be kind of known oh, that's weird. Mm, like, bro that's hella incestuous and gross and so he pulls a lion king on the roof of this building and uh, lets Travis fall to his doom <laughs> off this bitch. I don't know if it was a two-story, just a one-story, but I guess if you fall off of anything, it could really hurt. And so Travis is gone for now. We also see that Freddy the dog, he's alive. He's back in pog form. And apparently <laughs> he can just leave when he feels like it. Uh, he's just on the street looking up at them like, hey, what up? And goes behind some grass and then boop, he's just across the street just chilling. So now they know there is a way out because Freddy, the dumbass dog, got out somehow. <laughs> I thought he'd be a cool dog and be like, woof, woof, go this way. He's like, I'm hungry. Boop. And he's just out. <laughs> so he's just across the street eating bugs or something. Uh, so holy shit. It, Ross finds them because the grass is telling them, hey, they're over here. And so he's singing a song. Just he has a song in his heart as he is chasing down the group. Uh, they all just once again split the fuck up. Um, Travis is he's fucked up. Uh, and Becky doesn't want to leave, but Cal runs off, and then Cal gets caught by Ross and he gets strangled to death. And then we it's not really a twist, I think it's more of the shoe drops in this movie, but we see that Cal and Ross are faded, faded. To meet each other in combat, and Cal is his destiny, his density to die. <laughs> Ross, we see a line of skeletons of bodies that just degrade. Everybody is a little bit more skeleton until it's just just a weird lump of bone and clothes. So we see that Cal has been dying for a long time. When Travis got in, he said that Becky and Cal have been gone for two-ish months. So he, they've been dying every day for two months. So there's probably lumps of corpses in this field. And once again, dead things don't move. So uh, it's weird that they don't fall into their other corpses, but I guess it's a gigantic field and it's an infinity field, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So we, uh, Cal is once again dead and Ross is scooting around. Travis, he wakes up. He fell onto like some tires, which probably still hurt like a bitch, but he's not dead, dead. Hooray. And he goes looking for Becky and Becky gets attacked by Ross. So now at this point, as Katie and Emma brought up, it's not enough for Ross to just be a crazy zealot for the church of the crazy rock. He has to be like, hey, you want to see the rock? You want to get naked and have sex on top of the rock with me? And she's like, no, I don't. Well, well I'm going to take you to rock anyway. And so he uh, lays her down in, in, in the nice field of grass and she stabs him in the eye with a little, little pair of scissors. Manicure scissors. Yeah. Pops him in the eye. Uh, he's pissed, but he gets right back up. And so they start to fucking fight. Uh, she's trying her best out there. Uh, boy, howdy. Uh, he's got grass muscles. And she's fucked up. 
Yeah, she's she's six months pregnant, dehydrated, hasn't eaten in days, months actually, is running around this fucking field like with heat stroke, like partially in labor. Yeah, she's been having pains this whole goddamn time. Yeah, so uh, Becky, the grass creatures come out of said grass and they carry her to the rock, and then we see that there are marks on the rock saying that she's pregnant. So it seems like The Rock knows and Becky actually makes the phone call to herself to try to help Cal not be an asshole and hurt Travis. Because I assume if everyone's together, they have a better chance of getting somewhere, though. Ross just beats people up in front of people and no one helps. So she starts having contractions. Oh, no. And the ground opens up under The Rock and we see... Roots turn into humanoid people and they're reaching toward her. I assume that's all the people that have died in this field and they are part of the roots of this giant rock in the grass. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. I will say I enjoyed that. So she passes out and wakes up. Cal is squeezing water into her mouth. This is also in the book. And she's like, oh, sweet. This is cool. And Cal's holding the baby. So everything's working out. She wakes up again. And Cal is feeding her food. Mm-mm. And she's like, oh, okay. Where, where'd, you get, where'd you get the food, bud? And he's like, yeah, don't worry about that. It's grass. It's grass, it's and, grass seeds. and seeds. Yeah, don't worry about that. And Becky realizes that Cal is, is Ross, man. <laughs> and Ross has been feeding her the baby. Uh, that is also in the book. That's fucking horrific. And it wasn't Ross. It was Cal. Uh, So at this point in the book, Tobin got Cal to touch the rock because he couldn't find his sister. They don't meet up in the book. They are lost the whole time. And Tobin's like, you want to find your sister? Touch the rock. You can find her anytime. And uh, Becky goes in labor and Cal finds her. Hooray. They have the baby. And he feeds her the baby. And that's that's how the book ends. It's not a happy story so we see that oh no ross is crazy evil and tobin finds travis and they find out that ross killed the baby cal and he's gonna keep killing everybody like this isn't gonna end we gotta get out of here somehow uh ross stabs travis with a bone that he finds in the in the mud and so Travis is fucked up. And then, hooray, uh, Becky gets up and gouges out his other eye. So now he's for real blind. And Travis gets up, even though he got stabbed in the stomach, and beats the shit out of Ross and actually chokes him out with some of the grass. And I I understand that grass is really fucking strong, but he was choking him the ever-living fuck out with his grass. Uh, we get a really cool 360 shot. And then Ross is dead. Hooray. Um, Becky dies from her, like, just trauma. She's been through way too much after having a baby. And, you know, to try to figure a way out of this situation, Travis touches the rock. And he sees a lot of strange visuals. And he knows how to get out. He takes Tobin with him and guides him to an exit. And he tells the boy to stop Becky and Cal from even entering this to begin with 
and he sets him down and I assume he finds the spot where the dumbass dog found and got out and Tobin gets out because he didn't touch the rock. This version didn't t- touch the rock so he can be free. Travis touched it so he can't leave. He is part of the grass. So we see the moment at the beginning of the movie where Becky and Cal are about to go into the grass because they hear Tobin yelling for help. Uh, future Tobin runs up, dirty boy, and tells him, don't go in. That grass is evil. And he hands Becky a necklace that Travis gave her. But it's all dirty and bloody. And she realizes, like, oh, this is fucking weird. Uh, don't go in the grass. And so now Travis successfully closed the time loop. I don't know what this means for him because he went through a lot of things with a Becky and Cal but the fact they didn't go in, it's like Back to the Future rules. Means that he wouldn't have gone in. But he is there. But he's not. I don't know. Closed loop. Yeah. The grass isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> and we see that Becky, she's deciding that she's going to keep the baby. And they turn around. They're not going to San Diego to give it away. Uh, and I guess they're going to dump that fucking orphan boy somewhere. <laughs> nah, she's keeping that kid yeah. too. So my question is, is there a Travis still in that world? Because he was behind them, following them after two months. So I assume Travis is still around. Travis is back home. She's going back home now to be with Travis. Oh, good for her. Uh, dirty Travis that saved the day. Uh, he dies in the field. Yeah, because, he's stuck. And he'll just stay there and hopefully mm-hmm. save people that get in. Because he's a good thing in the in the field. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, hell, I don't know. We hope. Uh, but yes. He only cared about saving Becky and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, so just like I said, the book ends with Cal feeding his sister a baby. And then him and Tobin drag her to the rock and she touches it. Then at the end end, a van of hippies come up and they hear multiple voices crying for help. And all the hippies are like, well, we're going to have dinner. Well, let's go save them and then bring them to dinner with us. And then eight more people head into the field. And that is how the book ends. <laughs> uh, life goes on for the field <laughs> as it eats people. So, Katie, who was your favorite character in In the Tall Grass? My favorite character was Travis uh, because he was like a hero the whole time. There was moments throughout where each other person in the story was kind of like had their little hero moment. But Travis was the only one that stayed consistent throughout and was like, my goal is to find Becky and get her the fuck out of this thing. Um, And he somewhat succeeded. He managed to keep her out to keep another version of her from going in. So great. It's just infinite realities now because who the fuck knows how this grass works. Mm-hmm. But I think Travis is my favorite, especially because the second they met up with Tobin in the field, I was like, somebody should just put him on their shoulders and like, then he could see where the buildings yep. are and then they could get the fuck out. And nobody did it for like an hour. And then Travis was finally like, hey, Tobin, get on my shoulders. Like, let's do that. And I was like, fucking finally. Good job, Travis. Way to use your brain. Micah. Uh, I agree with Travis. Um I mean, technically, he's the only one that made it through without dying until the end, I guess. <laughs> he made it through without dying until he did. Until he died. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Tobin like, kind of did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, wait. Sort of, kind of. Well, yeah, but then his character reset. They all did. <laughs> no. Uh, Travis was the only one who never reset. Travis was the same person throughout all the 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 oh, flips and right. stuff, which right. doesn't like make him. a lot of sense. But he, he, he's just OP in this, <laughs> super overpowered. Um, well, Tobin didn't really reset either because Tobin remembered to, Travis. And... To, it, but he did have a reset because then they showed him out of the grass, coming into the grass, and then finding him again. So he reset. Oh, okay. But. Um, Regardless. Yeah, he he basically was like the hero of this movie, and there were points in time where it was confusing because it tried to take away from that. It felt like, and then it went right back to it, and um, so it looked like they were trying to do a twist, but it just didn't. I don't know. It, it was just choppy instead of like flowing really nicely, but. Um, yeah, and then he made the ultimate sacrifice. He's like, look, this is the only way I'm going to get out is if I stay here and get you out, kid. Just make sure you don't let anybody else in here. And, yeah, Hero hero does some hero stuff. How about you, babe? Okay, well, I also agree with Travis, but I'm going to say my second in command, which was the twist, because I could see it, and then it wasn't the twist that I thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch, what the fuck? And it was great. So there's that. The end. Ha <laughs> Otis. I'm hopping on the Travis train. Uh, just like everyone said, he was the same version he was since the beginning. Everyone else died, but they didn't know they died. Through journeying with Travis, they learned to change themselves because he was the constant in this. Now, Tobin was the second least changed person but he did touch the rock at some point and he seemed to be very uh, we're not getting out of here and then finally after meeting travis the new one was like shit i want to i want to escape man so but yeah no travis was great he wanted to get everybody out he called out the weird brother that wanted to bang his sister i guess now here's the here's the one weird thing that I have to say about that Tobin that took to the rock and touched the rock. Like, was that just his dad, but morphed into his body? Because it doesn't make sense that he touched the rock, then he didn't. Yes, the dad kind of morphed into a lot of people. Well, no, I think of it think of it like this. Every time someone came in, it was another layer and another reset. So you gotta think about for probably months, maybe years. It was just Tobin, Ross, and the wife in there. So Tobin's probably touched that rock tons of times and gotten killed. But all it took was two, three new people coming in, and then there's finally a Tobin that didn't touch the rock. I I think it was actually the boy. It's just the interference of new people made him not touch it, or he wasn't forced to touch the rock by his dad. Because I think every time someone new came in, it just added a new layer a new reset to the to the world yeah but how did he die each time like i i don't understand what would have killed him if i don't know the, the dad didn't have enough people to kill him there i guess i don't know man do it uh, again do it again do it again. <laughs> that's that's one of those questions we'll never know but they had to have been in this loop for uh they weren't in there for long but there was two months on the outside so probably years decades probably 
they were in yeah. there just heading in, getting lost, and getting killed. Well, yeah, based on the deterioration of those bodies, it was decades. Yeah. So, Katie, who was your least favorite character in, in Tall Grass? <laughs> I expected you to say, and why was it Ross? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was fucking Ross because that guy fucking sucked. He was like a cool dad for a minute and he was just concerned with finding his wife and finding Tobin and getting the fuck out of the grass. And then he found the rock or we find out that he touched the goddamn rock and then he got psychotic and rapey and nobody needed that shit. It was awful. He was awful. Ross is the worst. Micah. I'm going to go with Cal. Cal being the weird, incesty, rapey brother type that tried to kill off his only competition. And yeah, it's just really shitty and creepy and weird. Bolt. Emma. Uh, I said rapey undertones because, well, it's gross. So. It's grass? It's, it's grass. <laughs> That's why, because it's grass. Uh, yeah, but rapey undertones, they were not necessary to aid to the creepiness of this movie. It was already really fucked up. Yeah. So I really don't think it was necessary to add the let me touch you and put things in places aspect to it. So For sure. Otis. I did not have a least favorite character. Uh, this is fucking vintage Stephen King characters. There's always a bully in his shit, and they're bad. And the line of let's have sex on the rock, that was in the book. Uh, but after that, he gets car keys wolverined into his eyes. <laughs> Actually disemboweled in the book. But yeah, it, it's in wrestling, it's called a cheap pop. Uh, when you go to a town, it's like He's like, oh, we're in L.A. tonight. This place smells like feet. He's like, boo. It's an easy thing to say or easy thing to do to get people to hate you. Uh, and saying the right or the wrong things in a movie, yeah, that's, that's, that's a cheap, that's cheap beat. Like, you know. Yeah. Stephen King and or people who make movies of Stephen King things know good and well that rape is the thing that's going to piss everybody off. Yeah. And honestly, having checked out and read a ton of Stephen King's stuff. Uh, it's not a real ton of that. Uh, he actually enjoys doing more racism-y kind of things in his. Uh, just like the beginning of book two of It, uh, Adrian, oh, that kid, It's he gets beat up because he's gay. Or the uh, end of book one of It, you want to yeah. talk about fucking sex and rape. Yeah, what? it was uh, terrible what? stuff. So, <laughs> Stephen King on drugs. Wild. Yes, he was. It's yes, wild. Was. So let's do seven word synopsis. I have two of them. My first one is just mind your business would benefit everyone. Now, in the book, as they were driving, it's not because the sister got sick that they rolled the windows down and heard the kid yelling for help. It was just happenstance, kismet, just destiny that the brother turned the music down so he could ask his sister a question. And his sister just wanted some fresh air. And that's the only reason that they heard the little boy in the field. So, but if they just kept on driving, I'm like, well, that kid's in a field for a reason. As we drive down the street. And my next one is, movie is way more happy than book. 
uh like i said when i was listening to the book i was like fuck man <laughs> this shit sucks like there's no way out there's no maybe if we do this no you went into the field your 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 life is forfeit that's it correct katie someone's lost in the grass better call 911 <laughs> <laughs> not going into the grass we're calling the authorities and they're going to figure it out I was going to say that was my first comment at the beginning of this movie when she started calling and then lost reception. I was like, my ass would have just backed up until reception came back. Yep. Scary grass eating folks better add rape. (laughs) (laughs) And then my last one, um, add the Kryptonians and it's basically Smallville. That's correct. Rock falls from the sky, gives the grass magic powers. People who touch it go crazy. That's kryptonite. Now, what's that? Tom Welling? I see you. Yeah. <laughs> Grass fields for days? Kansas? Yep. That also tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you, as the resident podcast Kansan, I will tell you how much fucking tall ass grass is in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> you know where no, I'm not going? You. There. <laughs> Micah. Pause for effect. <laughs> It's the duty that fell from above. <laughs> gave off some real. Uh, There's a bit of ass in that grass. <laughs> gave off some real Joe Dirt vibes when he's oh, eating, fuck. dipping the French fries and the ketchup on the giant duty from from the airplane. <laughs> it's not an asteroid. Big old ball of duty. <laughs> I ate duty. Oh, he ate pedos. Um, okay, I have a lot because I have three that are alliterative. So I have help, plea from the grass brings actual trouble. And then my three alliteratives, kids call coming cross corn catches couple. And I know that it's not a couple, but it's a couple of people. Uh, and then my next one, monumentous monolith makes man's mind fuckery murderous mayhem. <laughs> nice. And then my last one, rock wraps religious-ish reality round wriggling roots. That's intense. So this film came out October 4th, 2019. Uh, being that it's a Netflix film, there's no budget or box office. It looked great. And there were some pretty cool scenes for the CG. I said the budget was too much and the box was not enough. Yeah. But like I said, it was very enjoyable. The reception wasn't bad. Uh, a lot of people said the, the premise was pretty cool. Um, they said that sometimes it was a bit of a struggle to stretch the source material to feature length. Like I told you, they added three more characters to this. The book is very slim. It's just like, oh, you went in? Okay, you're going to eat a baby. That That's the book. <laughs> that's the book, you know? Uh, but they added people. I enjoyed the addition of Travis. I thought it was pretty cool. It added hope to this very depressing story. And a little more from Ross, because all you see is, like, parts of his wife's body that he actually pulled apart. And then he is trying to attack Becky. that's it and he gets stabbed up with some keys so it was cool to see more with ross and show him being a very villainy villain so i I enjoyed that 
uh, minority kill count. That's a zero. I think the lead actress. Becky might have been. Her name is, well, she's Canadian, but she's got a very Spanish sounding name. But I don't know. She was a, she was a bit dark. She could be native. Yeah, you're right. Fuck it. One. Let's say one. But she died like 80,000 times. So Let's just say one. <laughs> <laughs> so the new minority kill count is 362 in a Tito Turtle. In a house, in a plane full of vampires. So, does anybody have anything else to say about In the Tall Grass before we get out of here? Uh, for the kill count, I would say adding to her name uh, one D20 roll for damage every time just to change the numbers since she died so many fucking times. She did die, but she did get actually successful uh, she like lived rolls she actually landed more hits but i don't know the armor class of grass correct because ross <laughs> but like, also like her baby does her baby count she gets advantage on her no, attacks because she's got a baby the baby count towards the minority kill count <laughs> but that baby for sure died uh well then there's at least one several times if she's a minority then her baby is a minority so that makes two right so y'all talk too much and make me change things after <laughs> I wrote them down and said them. I'm sorry, we're talking about the D20 rolls. Of- Fucking Hardy Girls over here just coming up with shit after it's over. Katie, we need a theme song now for the Hardy Girls. <laughs> Hardy, I could have just say the Nancy Drew twins. I went, yeah, I went Nancy with the and Hardy Drew? Girls. The Hardy Girls. <laughs> Nancy and Drew are like that. So the new minority kill count, because people like to talk, is 363 and a Tito Turtle, and a house, a plane full of vampires, and a baby in the grass. The baby was the... <laughs> I don't know. Leave, leave, me alone. leave me alone. So, with that, because I don't think anybody actually said anything... Wait, I, I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> um, I was going to say that this movie should have been shorter. I wish a lot more uh, horror movies, at least, would f- do the 45-minute thing. Yeah. I feel like they could get away like i understand that you would have to change the way things work but guess what it's 2023 and everything's changing anyway mm-hmm. so um i feel like a lot of horror movies could get away with being a lot shorter and mm-hmm. do the well well i guess it was just the only 45 minute one that we watched was the uh the zoom one right a uh, host yeah host. The host yeah um there was other ones we watched a couple of other ones that were short i thought there were but if this movie hadn't tried to act, like I understand that it came from the book and everything like that and but it could have been I think it would have done better as an adaptation of it yeah. and tried to not introduce the the weird grass faced folk like I like it felt like they needed to add that just to go like hey look here's some really cool CGI and stuff like that and it was like um Okay, well, and then it just added more questions. It was like, okay, some of these weird twists and the resets and everything like that could like have have either of you seen the movie Twenty One Grams? That does not sound familiar. Um, it's got uh, was it Guillermo del Toro? Oh no, shit, not Guillermo really? del Toro. Uh, what's his name? Um, mm-hmm. Oh my god, Benicio del Toro. Oh okay. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, and a couple of other people. I, I haven't seen it in a really long time. Uh, but that movie is really, really fucking cool. It's like Memento. The way, it's like segmented and also then like split up. 
it's like segmented and split up and it doesn't make any sense and then as it gets farther in the plot starts to come out and like the like what is going on becomes clearer and clearer and i feel like this movie could have tried to follow that same style and been really successful with it but then they added the weird like grass people and the hieroglyphs and the you know why does one character get to avoid all the resets but every other character gets reset at some point like i don't know they could have kept it simple kept it confusing and then avoided needing to add so much other so many other layers should have just been shorter i liked the movie but it i don't know it's just doing that hollywood thing breaking it down i know but i wanted to i said i would do it (laughs) i said i would (laughs) it yeah no it just it like i had i have no qualms about it it was just like well now that you've added these other layers now i have questions when it could have just been i'm confused and i would have been happy being confused but now i'm angry Because well, I have questions. Well, that that's always a thing that comes from short stories. Uh, the shorter something is, the less you have to put in story-wise. And you'll always get to that point where you're like, what the fuck did that mean? And the credits mm-hmm. hit. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, tell me what that means. Yeah. I don't know. I just wrote what, it. What do you think it means? Like, no, we don't do that. Uh, oh, what's that? What's the dude's name? Uh, Nolan. Christopher Nolan shit. He's like, yeah. Is he in the dream? Is he not? I don't know. I'm like, yeah, you did, well, you asshole. You it's wrote Netflix. it. Netflix. It's Netflix. We need a series out of this. We need we need two more sequels and a <laughs> and then and then a prequel and a <laughs> yeah, five seasons in a movie. That's, that's the that's the dream right there. So with that, that is the end of this episode. So if you have any cool fun facts about I don't know grass and walking in it. Don't tell me, but send that shit to Katie at Allentown Pod. We have an email, it is. Allentown Presents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook at Allentown Presents. That's gonna be my new thing. I'm like, hey, you got something scary? Send that shit over there. <laughs> We're trapped in this situation. <laughs> you into the grass with me. I'm just shit. You're gonna have to fight my ass. <laughs> Get me in the grass. I, you might as well knock me out and drag me in. <laughs> But this was episode 294 in the books in the pocket out of sight. The music you're listening to right now, that is Flipping the Combined Effort, Flipping the CE, anywhere you can find them. Studio features. Thank you so much for the artwork. So this was chapter two of Stephen King. Uh, I guess the next one will be a sequel to a classic Stanley Kubrick story that was written by Stephen King. Uh, we get to hop into the world of Ewan McGregor. Ooh, he's cute. As he's fighting scary people. We're watching that. That's what it is. Uh, I'm halfway through the book, so hopefully we can finish that. We Hopefully I can finish that before next week. So. It's like we. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> like, what's, this, what's this we shit? I'm reading a different book right now. I can't. I don't have time for that shit. Yeah, you fucking nerd. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm very pumped. And then we'll see what the last one is. Uh, hopefully it's the new, new Stephen King story that came out. Because I want to see that shit. It looks scary. It does look scary. So, like always, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week with another Stephen King story. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Toots. No, no, no. I promise all you have to do is do it. Just just go ahead. Just move move your mouse. Move your finger.
and click on that button that that subscribe button no it's life-changing your all your questions will be answered just just go ahead and do it click that subscribe button